The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a die-hard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. Instant lobotomy as soon as you walk in. Yeah, I've basically <laughs> seen it all. <laughs> Okay, so today we're interviewing Dale. Yes, Dale from high school. I know. We used to have so much fun together. Well, my favorite thing about Dale is that I had such a crush on him and I just wanted to marry him. But little did I know that I was gay and he also would end up coming out as gay. So yeah, that was very interesting. You did love yeah. him a lot. I, I know. I just loved him. And I do love him just Absolutely. differently. Absolutely. We've kind of, yeah, we've kept in touch with him ever since. And he's now a flight attendant living in Vancouver, which is doubly interesting because Vancouver is sort of um, one of the hardest hit parts of Canada for COVID-19 right now. And being a flight attendant obviously uh, is a really interesting job for um yeah working during a pandemic i couldn't imagine being a flight attendant on like a regular day but to be a flight attendant during a pandemic and and not knowing the people on your flight or where you're going or who you're rescuing or you know if you're going to be on a flight again anytime soon could just be i mean it's just bizarre yeah you're bizarre you are (laughs) that's what makes us so great i know we're crazy. Um, all right. Well, let's get into it. All right. Oh, my God. Dale, listen. Why Michelle and I thought we would start a <laughs> podcast where we have to do audiovisual type things. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm kind of out of my element here as well. But we'll make do. Um, Dale, how are you? Where are you? I'm at home. I'm currently in my kitchen where I've been basically for now what feels like months. Oh my God. Because you're in, are you in Vancouver? Yeah. Yeah. I've been in Vancouver now for about nine years. Like Vancouver's like, like hit hard with, with the Rona. Well, it's crazy because it's a gateway city, right? So then there's so many people here and you basically don't drive here. You walk everywhere. So the exposure is higher. So just mm-hmm. everywhere. It's, it's just, it's, you can see the, the boarded up stores and, and just the deserted streets, which I mean, they're just eerie to say the least, but yeah, it's crazy over here. I know Calgary is experiencing the same thing downtown as well. Yeah. Yeah. Our downtown's pretty quiet. Um, 
Oh my God, Dale, it's so good to hear your voice. <laughs> you too, you guys. It's been too long. Oh, I know since our high school reunion a few years that's ago right. was probably that's the right. last time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I still think about um, all the green slips that I wrote on the back of in all the classrooms. <laughs> <laughs> And, and the I way wonder... people looked at us, knowing what we were doing, and just silently judging us, and I didn't care. <laughs> Who cares? Um, I always say that high school was like the best three years of my life, not for the school aspect, but for the social aspect. It was so much fun. Absolutely. And that's exactly what I wrote on the blackboards at the reunion for the other oh, students yeah. to read. I said, you know, you may hate this, but you're going to miss this one day. Oh, okay. And hopefully they didn't erase it, because that's totally how I felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A hundred. Like I would go back to high school if I could. Yeah. We oh yeah. I mean, plus we were like we were a good group, and we didn't have the you know bullying and cliques and that kind of like we didn't experience no. that in our school at all. It's no, we were no. The dorky theater kids. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had the theater kids. You had the music people. You had the jocks. And I can say, I think for all of us, it's true. We all had a friend in each group, at least in a certain mm-hmm. way. Yeah. The only fight I ever experienced was a food fight, which is <laughs> pretty cool. Pretty fun. I liked it. That is amazing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was just thinking last night. I was I saw something on the news about um, like all the different airlines and how they've been affected by this COVID nineteen pandemic. And then you came to mind, and I was like, I should reach out and see if he would let us interview him. Absolutely. I mean, it's been a it's been a whirlwind to say the least, right? I mean, are I mean, we allowed to say where everyone's... you work? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I work for WestJet. Yeah, I mean, I I'm I have nothing bad to say about it, right? So I think yeah, uh, <laughs> I think it's okay. Yeah, that's and, awesome. So how long have you? No, go ahead. Oh, Carling likes to interrupt me. Let's just put that out there. Oh my God, I was editing episodes yesterday and I messaged Michelle. I was like, I am so sorry that I just like plow over you sometimes. <laughs> well, whoever's loudest wins in this in this game. Yeah, it's true. So, yeah. I was just going to say, when I think about the airports now, it's like deserted completely. Like, I mean, obviously that's not the case. There must, there must be still flights coming in and out. Um, obviously majorly reduced, but just in my mind, it's like a ghost town. It absolutely is. You see pictures of not just the aircraft, um, but the air, the terminals and the concourses. And it's the only thing that's not crowded um, are the tarmacs because that's where you park all the aircrafts, right? Right. So, right. yeah, I mean, I know on average we fly 50 to 70,000 people a day, and now we're averaging about 5,000. Wow. That's we're, we're going back to 1997 uh, factors here. Usually we have a load factor for each flight of about 85% floats around there. And now we're looking more like 10%. Oh, so my So it's, it's hit us pretty critically, actually. And um, is this essential travel or trying to get people back to Canada or um, you know, what kind of travel is it right now? It's now just domestic with um, some rescue flights and repatriation flights, which uh, we're working together with the government on that. Um, so those are pretty random uh, and pretty international. Uh, generally, my schedule has been altered or completely canceled. I've basically been doing international and transborder flights from Hawaii generally. But um, like today, for example, I was supposed to go to Cancun and back, but that's obviously not the case anymore. So I'm just sitting home and technically I'm on call. And if they need me, then off I go. But uh, I'm one of many people on call and the flights have basically disappeared. So there's no flights to be called in for. So we're all just sitting at home waiting and um, 
like out of 14,000 employees, they basically laid off 50%. They laid off 6,900 wow. um, for now, for now. And uh, among those who have left, they were either involuntarily laid off or chose an option to early retire or a leave of absence, depending on whether or not your department was represented by a union, which luckily ours was. So we had some options. Um, going forward. But um, from there, any further layoffs were basically designated by seniority. And um, luckily, I was just under the wire. So I could have chosen a leave absence, which definitely I I considered just uh, mental health and physical health. But Mm -hmm. there's the financial aspect to consider. Um, You can apply for EI, which is an exception right now, which is great. I mean, that's the government really stepping up but that is still only 55% of your pay and Vancouver is an expensive city. So I decided yeah. just to stay for now. Um, there's nothing to say that I won't be laid off if the numbers don't change, if it does get worse, which I mean, everyone's saying it is, then I could very well be laid off within a month or two. So right. yeah, it's a frustrating reality that we've had to deal with, you know, to and make these. How long have you worked for WestJet? It's been 12 years. Actually, last week was 12 years. Oh, wow. Um, flying, flying out of Vancouver for about nine. So generally, I've been doing the Hawaii routes. Um, that's what I like to do, um, the longer flights and more consistent scheduling. But now it's just randomly jumping domestic to domestic. So for, for the next month, I'll be doing domestic flying, which is fine. Yeah. And when yeah. did you start noticing a shift um, within sort of like the airline community in your job? Um, like when did you start hearing about some of the changes coming down the pipeline or COVID in general? It was basically along with everybody else, we had things change, not just day to day, but hour to hour. And we'd be constantly checking our emails. And uh, I was on vacation actually in the middle of the month. And so I had purposely left my device at home, which had my work emails because I was like, you know what? No stress, no work. Let's not, let's not take that with me. And it actually <laughs> caused more stress because I didn't have any information. Yeah. It's so, not like we're going to face a pandemic. Who needs your phone? <laughs> exactly. So I, uh, we end up like many people cutting our vacation short and coming home. And, and once I got home and got caught up on the ins and outs of what we were dealing with um, on the plane, I was basically caught up with everybody else, but there was a lot of changes and there still are as of today, as of Today and yesterday, there have been changes on service reductions and and just um, protections, universal precautions. Now we have a, a lavatory that's um, designated just for crew. We have no more alcohol or food on board, uh, things like that, which is something I never thought would ever happen. But and it's all temporary, of course, but that's the kind of measures that we're starting to take now. Right. And um, what has been the atmosphere on the planes? I have never been anxious or scared to go to work. And now I am anxious and scared to even think about going to work. Um, yeah. At home, it's it's a little different. Uh, you know, like everyone else, you, you're within your four walls and it's safe. But when you start preparing to work and you kind of put on your uniform and get out there, uh, yeah, it's something I've never really thought about. But it's we're all in the same boat. Like we are a big family at work. That's the whole culture there. Is you work with your with your friends, with your family, and you so you you kind of depend on each other to like work work it through. But when you're actually on the plane and you can't social distance, and people are generally getting it now, but at the beginning there was a lot of denial and people just not getting it or not having the exposure to the information. So that was frustrating. I remember being really frustrated knowing that you shouldn't be touching me, and yet people are. <laughs> T- touching you, tapping you, poking you, doing whatever they can. 
So uh, luckily, these days, it seems like people are getting the message across. But um, yeah, frustrating and anxious is the two words that definitely come to my mind when you and think you of find, going to work. Yeah, even are the passengers um, a bit more anxious? Yes, um, I definitely, my last flight, I did the Hawaii flight. It was the last flight going into Kona. And going there, there was one person for a six-hour flight, which was eerie to say the least. But coming back, of course, was full. And I remember people coming on, and this is true for many people who who um, are coming home. They've been on vacation in hot destinations, and they've only had the amount of education that they've sought out. Right. So we we see the daily briefings, we see the news, but unless they are putting down their Mai Tai, coming in from the beach, and really doing their own research, there's a lot of um, deniability, and people just thinking that we blew it all out of proportion. Um, by the end of the flight, though, based on the changes we made and the announcements we make, I think we kind of hit it hard with them to say that their realities will be shaken by the time they get home, because they have to self-quarantine if they're coming in from international or transporter. Yeah. So we kind of hit home and take it very seriously. And uh, at the beginning, it was very, very up in the air. And, and now people are taking it a lot more seriously. Wow. And I guess like even thinking about flying, like, yeah, you're so close to people and you're sharing the same air and you're like, there are so many surfaces that you're touching without even, without having Absolutely. a choice. And those are the kind of changes we've made. I mean, I make it clear to people that we are only four, maybe three people on a plane that generally will, we're here for the health and safety of 174 people, which usually isn't a problem, but we are not healthcare professionals. And we are living in a different age where now there has to be personal accountability of health, where you need to help take care of us. It needs to be a participation as opposed to us taking care of you. So right. we hand out, we hand out wipes to wipe down your area as soon as you get on the aircraft. Of course, it's been sanitized before you got on, but you know, you may have symptoms, you may not have symptoms. We don't really know that. So it's been kind of a struggle to get that across to people. And, and the families of a come on, they, I think, are taken a little bit more seriously because they have the kids. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it's, it's luckily people don't know that when you're on a plane, there's um, a hyperventilation system that kind of shoots out the air every three to seven minutes. So you're actually breathing fresh air when you're on there. Oh, uh, okay. The air that you are breathing is still... <laughs> two feet from your from your neighbor right so uh, if you are infected then that's really not going to help you in any situation so uh, yeah you're in a big long middle tube full of people and it comes down to each independent person to figure out you know where where they're going to be at in, in the health aspect and we can only do so much as as a flight attendant when it first um when people were first getting on the planes with masks and things like that um, even as far back as November or something, were you guys thinking, you know, oh, this is silly or, you know, before kind of the news spread or was it, I mean, I'm sure people come on with masks generally, even if there isn't a pandemic going on. Absolutely. Especially out of Vancouver. I've seen masks for years and I, I did think it was silly at first. Mm -hmm. I've seen people with masks since I moved here, mm -hmm. walking down the street, on the plane. It's, it's been a thing, but I would then learn that maybe they're not feeling well and they don't want to spread it to somebody else. So then I kind of, it became a, a normal thing. Of course, now it's almost everyone has some kind of mask on. Um, mm -hmm. I've seen everything from the surgical mask that you see on the news, but I've seen more gas masks, actual ap apocalyptic, wow. those oh type of gosh. things. 
I've seen face masks. I've seen, you name it, I've seen gloves, uh, hazmat suits, uh, plastic <laughs> bottles. I've seen it all. Anything that covers Plastic bottles? Yeah, I there's a water bottle. Like a water cooler bottle over their head. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> what? So, so now it's just, it's the new normal as of right now. Uh, it's not a matter of judgment anymore. At first it was kind of a silly, oh my God, look at you. But now yeah, it's, yeah. you know, this is what we, we're dealing with. And world, I mean, yeah. here now, if I could tell you right now that a year ago, I'd be going to work and having gloves on and putting on a mask and, and wanting more protection, then that would be a crazy statement. But now, I mean, we're changing our everything to do with our jobs just to protect ourselves. So you are wearing uh, protective equipment on the planes now? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's an option, of course, um, but we're all choosing to do so. Uh, mas- uh, masks are basically given out to those exhibiting symptoms. Of course, this was before the recent announcement that if you are exhibiting symptoms, you're not going to be boarding. You're going to be denied boarding. So that's mm-hmm. a brand new announcement that came out. But before that, if there were exhibited symptoms, that's we would have that to be handed out. Um, if we felt uncomfortable, that's something we could put on. And those are available. Um, but yeah, gloves for sure. Um, designated seating. So now that we have space on an aircraft, uh, middle seats are going to be blocked off and seating arrangements are going to be arranged in such a way that you could be as far away from your neighbor as possible. So mm-hmm. yeah. there's certain things you can do, but it's certainly not a desirable location to be at this time. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be pretty terrifying being being in a plane and knowing... And not knowing the air that you're breathing or if someone is symptomatic or even if they're not symptomatic and they could have it, it's, it is. And that's exactly, that's exactly it. Right. I mean, healthcare professionals, they have these universal precautions. They can, they can exit a situation if they can, but on a aircraft, you don't have that luxury. So, Uh um, and a a difference of them versus us is flight attendants are exempt from the self quarantine rule which basically means that unless you've been diagnosed with COVID or if they've been informed by the company that you've worked a flight in which there was a confirmed case, you are working like normal. There's no 14 day status. There's no, there's no reason to be under the same government mandate that others have been exposed to because if right. we are the essential, we are essential service, but we also have to continue working to bring people home. Right. So. And, um, are, I know some communities are doing like contact tracing. So if there is a diagnosis, they'll try and reach everybody that they've come in contact with. So do you guys or has anybody on your team um, been notified that somebody on one of their flights was? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, there is a list of flights that are being updated on a consistent basis that show, say, this flight number from this city to this city and then a, a row say row 18 to 23, these people have been exposed or could have been exposed. But there's also a a section that says all rows, and that would be a crew member. So a crew member could have been exposed to it as well. Um, That's, of course, being updated hour to hour, and that's just information they know. But um, those people, of course, are being told to stay at home in quarantine. But um, if you don't... That is so scary. Yeah, yeah, it is. And interestingly and ironically enough... um, because I'm an exception, my husband isn't, so he has to quarantine whenever I go to work. So if I cross a border and come home, he now his work has made him stay home and quarantine for two weeks. Right. And if I were to go if I were to go to Mexico or Hawaii today on a rescue flight and come home, that would then reset and he'd have to restart again at two weeks. Yeah. So, so wow. Yeah, and he's he... using up all his vacation days and, and that sort of thing. So is he an essential worker or he's just working from home or? 
he is an office setting job, so he can work from home uh, at a certain point. But right now, quarantine, he's off the schedule altogether. He'll be going back. I don't have any international flights. Uh, like I said, it's all domestic going forward. So um, he should be good to go back at once the 14 days are up. But we'll see what kind of flights up working going forward. Is there any talk about um, mandatory self-isolation within domestic flights? Not at this time, no. Okay. And truthfully, there's been so many measures that have increased as far as health and safety and our loads factors have decreased so much that I think we've taken the right steps as far as everything we can do to minimize the risk. So if it does happen, um, it would be more of a, of a lockdown situation, I would think. And whether those essential services would be deemed still essential, I don't know. But as of now, essential or require mandates uh, of isolation are not really that necessary for domestic reasons. Right. And is WestJet solely passenger? <clears throat> like, does WestJet, like, do they, uh, do they bring, like, goods, like, across yeah. borders? Yeah, we have a cargo fleet, of course. Yeah, I think um, most airlines do that. Um, I, I see it coming on the aircraft. I don't have much information, but um, I know that's from, say, Hawaii. I'll see, I look down and I'll see um, fruits and vegetables being shipped onto the aircraft as well. Oh, okay. um, as, as far as I know, those things are still occurring, but uh, that's above my pay grade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a question about the when the self-quarantine uh, mandate kind of came down for international travelers. Um, obviously, when, if they are coming from a international flight, they need to self-quarantine for 14 days. Um, were you getting any pushback from the from the passengers? Were the, what was the atmosphere? Was it kind of a uh you know people brushing it off or did you kind of get that any has definitely changed um at first there was a lot of denial like i said but now mm-hmm. there's is a lot of support i think um once the access of information has gotten out there and they realize that we don't necessarily want to be working and exposed to those certain things because like i said to those people on the plane i said you know we are exposing ourselves and we're putting our health at risk and the health of our families but we want to be here to bring you home. Then kind of the reality kind of opens up and, and who, who would blame someone for that? Right. So I yeah. think the support has definitely been, has been great. People have been wonderful. They've been getting off the aircraft, thanking us and um, wanting to shake our hands, but of course not doing so <laughs> um, <laughs> doing the whole elbow shake. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we of course are concerned for our own safety just like anybody else. So if we need to take the two weeks, then we are supported in doing that. Of course. That's good. Oh, that's awesome. And, and it, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I didn't have anything. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you were like, I just wanted you to interrupt me. Um, have, you, <laughs> have you heard from any of your colleagues um, about bringing people back? Like some of the flights, like you've done some from Hawaii, but have there been, um, like, I guess, I don't know, where are some of the farthest away places that you've done some repatronization flights uh, not me personally the hawaii was the only one i've done but i've had friends do mexico flights uh recently um we don't necessarily go beyond europe at this time so um those are different bases but uh definitely like my parents were stuck in mexico until last week and they were on their fourth flight with us before we could get them home i mean things were changing at such a rapid pace so definitely a lot of people that uh before these these new rules put into effect, we're basically working 
around the clock to get people home, introducing flights, uh, filling up those flights, and then bringing them home. And, and uh, they actually extended the deadline till I think just a few days ago uh, to get those those people who are stranded home. And like I said, working with the government to do that. So yeah, it's still happening, but uh, domestically is, is basically 99% of our flights at this time. And are people that your parents were um, in Mexico? How long have they been in Mexico for? And, and how long did they have to get back? They were down there for about a month and a half. They had, uh, of course, like many snowbirds, got their condo and, and right. sat on the beach, just loving life. And once this whole thing came about, I would, of course, contact them and say, hey, listen, like we've been instructed by the prime minister to bring everyone home. And it's everybody's responsibility to come home. And I've booked you now a flight. So here you go. Uh, please show up and come home and take this seriously. <laughs> and and my parents, just like many others, kind of not brush it off, but kind of they they looked optimistically at the whole situation. They said, OK, mm-hmm. well, like we're we're safe. We're isolated. You know, they made a few jokes about toilet paper and they thought that was good enough. But as <laughs> each day would go by and I, I would so I would struggle to get that information to them in a serious way and say, hey, like you may not notice, but, you know, the country is shutting down. And then yeah. the flight that I booked them on was no longer an option. So they went on another one and then that was no longer an option. And then they had to book, you know, last minute fares kind of thing. And then that was no longer an option. And so I think when they got on their fourth flight and it was a government mandated rescue flight, that's mm-hmm. when they realized, okay, okay. So then the next struggle was getting them home to, of course, self-quarantine for 14 days, which didn't seem like a reality to them. I think they were just like, oh, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do that. But, you know, we can always take the dog for a walk. And I said, no, you really can't. <laughs> no, that's that's literally against the rules. So, um, yeah, yeah they, they figured it out eventually, but it took about a week and a half for them to really take it seriously. Are they in Calgary I, still? They are home now, yeah. Okay, yeah. I find it so interesting that um, it seems to be like our generation's parents that are being the most defiant or like flippant about the whole thing. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Like I'm seeing on Facebook, people are like, I've been telling my parents to stay home and then they're telling me they're staying home, except that they're going to the store. And, you know, and I just think it's so funny that we're be like, we're sort of, I don't know. Oh yeah. It's like, we're going to the door and screaming out for our parents to come in for dinner. It's like, get out from the cold, get inside. It's not safe out there. Five more minutes, five more minutes. My parents had to come back from Phoenix um, early. So they came back um, the end, maybe the mid March and they're now self quarantined. They drove. Um, okay. but, and at the border, of course they were told, it was kind of funny because they were saying that they were told at the border to self quarantine, um, but they weren't asked about anything that they brought back. So I think it's just interesting now that it's kind of changed from what are you bringing back into the country to like, you need to go home and stay in your house and we don't care what you brought back. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's more about you and less about what you're, what you're bringing. Yeah, I think. exactly. Yeah. So Carling was... Yeah nice enough to drop them off food so they didn't have to go anywhere but uh working at the bank we ha- we've had some instances where people are coming in saying that they just got back from the states and that they need to go get groceries before they self-quarantine and it's like no you you've now exposed all of us you know because you needed to go get groceries before you went and home. there's no reason for it i mean no, i know it's isn't. it's difficult but if you can order your groceries online it may not yeah. be there within hours but uh, you can do that. You can have a support system come in and take care of that. I know that when my parents got back, they did the recommended 
procedure, which is take two cars to the airport, have one filled with the essential groceries and leave the keys there. And so they got into their own car with that groceries and went straight home. And then so they were only exposed to from the airport to their car and home. Um, But yeah, there's some people may not have that luxury of having that support system, which is Mm -hmm. terrible to say. But uh, I think and generally speaking, I think we're all coming to Canada, getting together and, and helping each other out as much as we can. Yeah, yeah. There seems to be a lot of, you know, community help and the the um, posts about thanking the frontline workers and thanking the nurses and doctors and people dropping off treats for each other or coloring their windows for, you know, that kind of stuff. That's the nice kind of stuff to see that. Absolutely. There is definitely some positives, right? Yeah. But people are connecting more. They're checking in with people more. Um, that appreciation that you mentioned uh, is really taking the front stage. I know here in Vancouver, every night at 7 p.m., uh, everyone leans out their windows and goes out into the balconies and and oh. start cheering and applauding for those on the front lines. And because it's such a dense city, uh, it gets extremely loud, which is it's so it warms the heart because you're actually seeing your neighbors literally yeah. lean out the windows with pots and pans and and really those kind of like things that we may have taken for granted before. I know one of my friends is an ICU nurse and just seeing what she goes through and how exhausted she is and just telling people, stay home, stay home because I can't. It, yeah. it really hits home for a lot of us. And uh, I hope that's one thing we can really take forward is is that connectivity, even if it's virtual or, and just the hygiene aspect. Like now that we all know how to wash our hands, maybe we should continue to do so going forward. <laughs> I've never realized how much I was touching my face until now and I just can't keep my hands off my face so now it's like my t-shirt I have to you know whatever I'm wearing I I have to protect myself because that's all I was doing was scratching and and you know yeah those little things you don't think of so now is on the forefront of all of our thoughts yeah I never realized how many like things I put in my mouth or around my mouth like my pen (laughs) my phone like I'm just like what is my obsession with touching my face and holding objects so close to my face yeah and I know I've always been a little annoyed by people getting too close to me or touching me when they don't have to, but now I feel justified in telling them, yeah. back up, back yeah. up, you know? <laughs> or if someone coughs, so we saw someone cough without covering their mouth and normally <gasps> that would annoy me and I would walk away annoyed. But instead I said, you know, no, no, that's enough. Cover your mouth. Yeah. You know, this is, this is not the time to be doing that. You have to pay attention. And, and having those kind of like, justifications in your daily life is kind of interesting you can call people out more on there absolutely it's been great and what was their reaction when you called them out on it well i was in uniform at the time and that's the interesting thing is when you're walking down the street or taking public transportation which is a large portion of us in vancouver um they look at you like you have the plague because they don't know where you've been or whom you've been exposed to Mm -hmm. so they immediately move away they kind of that's even before social distancing was all that was getting through to people, but they didn't want anything to do with us. They get this look on their face, like, like, what do you, why are you, who are you and where have you been? So it's been <laughs> kind of nice. I, I haven't had to fight for a seat on the train in a while. It's been kind of nice. that way. You just wear it even when you don't need to, just so you can get. <laughs> yeah, I was at the store the other you. day and, and someone was getting too close to me. So I just said, you know, out of nowhere, well, as a flight attendant, I think we really need this. And then, you know, I got exactly where I needed. <laughs> Funny certain advantages for sure yeah Yeah. and what's it been like in Vancouver um you had said like a lot of uh businesses are boarded up and it's sort of like a ghost town yeah um I live in Gastown which is downtown um 
basically one side of it is movie theater settings. It's twinkle lights, it's cobblestones, it's beautiful. And the other side is uh, renowned for being a large homeless population and um, high on the on the drug use sex, uh, section. So those people obviously are being um, still exposed. They don't have exposure to information or testing, but um, it's it's they're still out and about, of course. Um, the storefronts have been boarded up because property crime is now increasing, commercial properties. Right. Um, so those boards have been up, which is eerie and creepy because it's such a busy city and the weather is usually always nice. So there's constantly people walking around. But now you might go for a walk to the grocery store and see two or three people out, which is insane to say the least. Yeah, yeah, especially in such a high density city like Vancouver. Yeah, and it's been beautiful here, which is just cruel because March usually is so rainy and now it's just sunshine and blue sky every day. So uh, to <laughs> just be stuck indoors is, I think, just uh, mean at the end of the day. It's just rude. Yeah. yeah. How dare you? Exactly. Other yeah, we were in the room and understand what the situation yeah. is. We cannot yeah. interview you right now, so get it together. Exactly. I mean, bring on the rain, for goodness sakes. Keep people yeah. out of those parks, you know. No one needs a picnic right now. Yeah. We just got a big dump of snow last night, and it's like minus 20 with the wind chill. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's not great. <laughs> oh. So who am I to complain, I guess, right? <laughs> um, um, so when you say 10%, I wanted to ask this, 10% of flight of your flights, only 10% of the capacity is booked? Yeah, well, that's that's a kind of an estimation that I've given because basically every airline, every aircraft has between 113 to 174 seats. And what you want to aim for is 85% capacity. So that's usually been pretty true. As I know doing Hawaii's, they're usually pretty full. There might be 10 empty seats on every flight. And now we're looking at maybe 20 people, 25 people, on these domestic flights, um, from the from what I hear, people say going Vancouver to Winnipeg or Edmonton, you might have ten people on the aircraft instead of you know one hundred and ten. So, and is that um, by design, like as a safety measure, or is that just an as a result of people not traveling? That is that's really just a result of people not traveling. Uh, we welcome people. <laughs> we want to stay in business, of course, but uh, it's hitting us critically hard. Um, people just are listening to their suggestions from the governments to not travel they don't have to so that's basically what it's looking like at least for now is um about five thousand people a day we're going back basically to what we were as a company 1997 i'd say 2000 something like that so we're stepping back and hopefully temporary of course we're we're operating in a limited capacity um based on demand but um we keep saying hopefully you know come back better and bigger than ever um it's it's frustrating that that's the reality because you're trying to make these major decisions based on absolutely no information that's available right and in such a short period of time because everything changes hour to hour so you're making decisions on whether you want to retire or going to leave of absence or who you're going to lay off and tomorrow that information could be completely different based on whatever we learn so, so it's yeah. constantly changing the people that are traveling right now, is it generally just for business? Um, not obviously people going to Edmonton for vacation because I mean, why? But. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would assume it's it's for essential needs. Um, yeah. I don't think there's that many ignorant people out there that are just going to go 
Calgary to Edmonton just because they want to go visit someone, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think basically it's essential at this point. Right. Right. Yeah. And do you can you sort of think about um once we're on the other side of this, do you think there will be some permanent changes in place in how you guys operate? Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. It hasn't really been talked about because we are dealing with things on a day-to-day basis, but as far as just general rules of of travel i mean i don't think those rules have really changed i think we're going to, i think they're now more known uh as far as i i said earlier like don't touch your flight attendant that's always been a kind of a thing to me but hopefully <laughs> hopefully now people kind of get the point and and maybe they're not going to tr- touch or, or touch strangers as much as they as they used as they used to but what about I mean, the, the rules of tra- on the on the up on the armrests <laughs> and the <laughs> Tray table. Well, yeah, yeah. Let, let's hope that kind of gets across, right? I mean, <laughs> like, be careful what you're touching. The golden rule, which has always been the golden rule, is you know, don't touch something if you don't have to touch it. Right. Um, so yeah, and they're all they're the rules are oddly the same as they were, but they're just more consequential. So if you need to travel, you know, come prepared. If you don't have food or drink, then you know, don't depend on us having that. Uh, don't move seats. Uh, you know, take personal accountability of your health. You know. Those things have always been true, but hopefully it kind of continues on in a bigger way um, because there's only so much as a, as any industry can do to protect you. You have to kind of take that on yourself and come prepared. Yeah. Yeah. That is very true. I'm sure you've seen a lot of uh, things that you could just shake your head at on a, on a flight. <laughs> behavior yeah. on a flight. I don't know what happens to people on airplanes. <laughs> it just seems like all social norms and, and instant lobotomy as soon as you walk in yeah i've basically uh, seen it all like i'm just gonna take off my shoes and socks and maybe i don't know pick my toenails and yeah yep yeah, absolutely yeah i yeah use diapers everywhere yeah i've seen oh, it all nothing really surprises me anymore yeah oh, no, kind of go with the flow <laughs> i feel like when i get on an airplane i become so aware of like my physical self and i like i try to like shrink myself to be as yes. like you know, as mm-hmm. unobtrusive as possible in other people's spaces. And I, you know, here's my question. Why do airplane seats recline? I think that is the most, <laughs> if the person in front of me reclines their seat, like I instantly wish a horrible week on them. Like I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's even coming to the news recently. You know, there's been some viral videos going around and, you know, people don't really consider another person they don't consider someone outside their their bubble but yeah i don't know i maybe that will change uh i know right now the rule is on international flights at least with some airlines that it goes up for meal service and then when people aren't eating you can do whatever you want with your seat right but i know i don't and if i do it's only because no one's behind me and i'm not interfering with anyone yeah i'm like but i yeah, feel like i, mean, I feel like i want to be as like I don't know, just small as possible. And I don't want to use the armrest and I don't want to go to the bathroom and have to disrupt anybody. Like, it's just, it, it blows my mind when people kind of do the complete opposite and you're like, what? (laughs) Yeah. What I try to remind myself is that that one person that you're staring at and that your internal monologue is screaming at Mm -hmm. that. There's also probably a hundred people that you're not noticing who are doing that, who are very aware of themselves, who are very concerned about how they're affecting others and that's why you're not noticing them because they're participating in that collective but yeah that one person who can't put that overhead 
bag into their compartment because you know it's six times too big and they can't figure out what's wrong at least I look at others and they're looking at them the same way and that kind of vindicates my own feelings towards it yeah yeah yeah, at the very end of the day it's more uh entertaining I suppose oh yeah Um, you you always have good you know bar stories about your your day yes yeah yeah Yeah, definitely bar stories because generally at the end of the day you uh, a glass of wine has never tasted better. That's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and have you ever, uh, or do you find yourself like relying a lot on your theater training, um, just in dealing with people? Like, I feel like flight attendants should all be theater kids because it's a performance. <laughs> there's there's a certain aspect of it for sure. A lot of improv, uh, thinking on your feet for sure. Um, yeah, we have a lot of uh, theater people. A lot of um, ex-cops and ex-healthcare uh, workers, which is, I always really like work, mm. working with because oh, they have that strong authority assertiveness about them. So mm. when there's a rule and they're going to make you abide by that rule, whereas uh, theater kids kind of have that uh, think on your feet aspect where, you know, you can you can come up with something on the spot and, and turn something around. I, I think it helps me in downplaying or uh, de-escalating an aggressive situation. So if somebody's being really uh, aggressive or assertive towards me, I can kind of turn it around and and make it less serious so that maybe they aren't as as passionate about what they're about to say you know like is it really is it really that important that you don't have the first option of food for it is, is that really what's going to ruin your day because it's certainly yeah. not going to ruin mine um but you know I feel for you but let's keep things in perspective so um yeah definitely there's been a there's been an aspect of that social interaction which has helped me for sure yeah, I mean, I'm in I'm in customer service, uh, working at the bank, but I couldn't imagine being in customer service, uh, in the air, kind of trapped with, with people <laughs> of all different, you know, personalities, and and that would be that would be a very interesting experiment. Like every time you get in a plane. Yeah, you've definitely seen everything. That's for sure. Yeah, um, that's amazing, Dale. Again, thank you so much for like I know that's kind of last minute, but taking the time to. Let us interview you about this. Of course, of course. It's a an unprecedented time. Right? That's an expression you're hearing a lot, but it is. And it's it's interesting to see other people's experiences as they go through this and how there's a shared pathway along everyone. You know, there's we're all walking the same path in different ways. Yeah, and I think that's what really sparked our sort of uh re initiating this podcast or sort of focusing on getting it launched was like when when else can you talk to a group of people that are collectively going through a pandemic? Yeah, and at the end of the day, we'll get through it together. I'm so excited that we got to talk to you. I miss you so much. I miss you guys. Yeah, Aww. absolutely. It's a, one, one, a wonderful thing about this is you get to connect with people you, you may not have seen in a while. So yeah, that's nice. Yeah, awesome. Great. Cool. Well, <laughs> enjoy the rest of your day and we'll talk to you soon. You too. Okay. Bye. bye. Okay, bye, bye guys. That was amazing. That was so good. It was so good to talk to him and hear his voice. Um, and also so interesting. Like like you had said, like I couldn't imagine being a flight attendant on my best day, um, no. let alone having to be in such close contact with people you don't know where they've been. Um, yeah, guys, during... don't have flight attendants. Yeah, I think if we're taking anything away from this, don't recline your seat. Don't yeah. take your shoes off. Don't touch your flight attendant. And for God's sake, cough into your arm. Yeah, right? Come on. Stay I know. Let's, we could have a whole podcast on it. <laughs> we'll better people.
<laughs> yeah, this is true. I love it. It was great. It was um, great to talk to him. That was good. Um, and if you guys are still listening, this is like episode four. Um, hopefully by now you like us enough to hit that subscribe button. And if you haven't already, follow us on social media. Yeah, we're I did not sign up for this dot podcast on Instagram and I did not sign up for this on Facebook. And send us a message if you um, have a story, if you have advice, if you have a criticism, maybe we're scared, but we'll take we can take it. <laughs> no, be kind. Don't say listen, guys, our audio's not great. We don't know what's happening half the time. Some of us clear our throats way too much. I'm not, I don't know who it is, but it's annoying. Listen, it's, it sounds like I'm screaming into the mic half the time, even when I'm being really quiet. I don't know why. Can somebody come help me from a, it's a safe distance away? Yeah. It's, it's all troubleshooting, but in the end, I think it's good. Hopefully. Oh, oh did you hear that little purr my cat did? Oh, I'm going to include that. Aww. Cute Hudson. Okay. <laughs> or you could just do it. All right. Sounds good. Have okay. a good day, Bye. everyone. Hey there! Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a die-hard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap.